I, I wanted to um, spend some time and just uh, one of the things that's happening all over the world, uh, things are changing and, and we're coming into a stage where the thought police in this country are now becoming more apparent by the day and um, they're actually asking parents and children now to report on the suggestion is they should report to the police any school that doesn't eradicate homophobia and it's actually now in the government guidelines and it's gone more strident than that and wrong thinking leads to problems and, and you know when you look at the average person uh, today you find that they're not prepared to make a stand for anything. I find parents who don't make a stand over the way their children dress, the way their children look, their hairstyles, the attitudes. Uh, now it's kind of this liberal, anything goes, but it doesn't. There are values and standards. Uh, and, uh, you know, people like to say, well, you know, if you have a school, you shouldn't have rules. Well, how are you going to run a school with no rules? And as I said, rules aren't legalism, they're rules for everyone's benefit. And there has to be a standard. And the world wants to cast off standards and say, anything you feel is okay is okay. Well, it isn't. There are values and there are standards. And woe betide a person that just brushes them all aside. And our country's going downhill so rapidly, taking away values, standards, morals, ethics. America's slid far further. I was listening to the O'Reilly Factor. He was on Fox News. And, and you know, just standing up for simple things, you become what they call right wing. And the liberal side is coming uh, so strong. And then when I talk to people, I find amongst Christians an attitude, you can't do anything. Well, you can't tell your children you can't wear that because, you know, they're free to make their own choices. No, they're not. Once you go down that road, where do you stop? And people have got into the idea that, hey, no is not allowed anymore, and right and wrong are not real anymore, and values have to go out of the window. Well, when the Church of Jesus Christ and the family of God begin to lose a sense of values and a sense of right and wrong, we're on a slippery slope to nowhere. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be a church that says, well, everything's okay. Everything isn't okay. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And we've got the word of God as our touchstone. I look at some people and the way they dress and the way they behave and... You look at some hairstyles and you think, where did that freak come from? 
And you wonder why people are so needing to be, you know, get attention, that they look like freaks. You know, you had the punk rockers, but I look at some Christian hairstyles and they're not far off. You think, where is it going? And Jesus Christ brought values to life. And hey, I want to talk over the next today and, and um, Sunday about values. You see, making money is not your life's purpose. If you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what are you going to give for your soul? Bible makes it clear and yet we have a tremendous freedom in Jesus Christ we're free not to be bound by the values of the world I don't want to be bound by their values and I don't want them to impose on the church of Jesus Christ values that are anti-Christian and that's what society is trying to do what they want to do is make us a secular society where we can't any longer stand up and say what is right and wrong. We've got to keep quiet. And I find a lot of Christians have not any longer got the courage to stand up for what's right. They're, this whole idea of political correctness and, and mollycoddling people and backing off has gone too far. They're trying to make criminals out of people who want to live decent. And the minorities are fostering an attitude where if you stand up and say something's wrong, hey, it's criminal. It's not hatred. Look, it's not inspiring hatred. I just do not like to see things that God calls an abomination. People are rechristening and saying, it's okay. I don't want to see children perverted. I don't want to see young people told that anything goes. I don't want people to grow up with no values. Do you? Hello? I don't want my grandchildren taught the wrong things. I don't. And I don't want a government to turn around and tell me that I can't believe what I want to believe. And I don't want a government to tell me that God got it wrong. As far as I'm concerned, there is right and there's wrong, and our society and our whole culture was built on a foundation of the Word of God. And I'm sick to death of Christians who want to be two-faced, woolly people who, oh, well, you know, society's changing. Well, God doesn't. My Bible says, God in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. In changing. Uh, and yet, the mind all the time is bombarded with people trying to tell you, hey, you know, really, uh, you know, you, you mustn't be a bigot. You mustn't be extreme. Well, you've got to tolerate everyone. But will they tolerate us believing God? Well, will they? No. We're the most intolerant people out. And they pretend they're the tolerant ones. And the big lie has been fostered. And I thought it would be good to look at how 
uh, you know, the whole thing's working. Now, to be a Christian, and I'm talking about a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. That means someone who's had a nature change inside, someone who's met with a living God and is totally transformed inside. And then you have a fight going on, not within you, because you've got the peace of God which passes all understanding inside, but you've got the world outside trying to chip away at one thing. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, look, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. In other words, the whole purpose of the enemy is to get you out of faith. The just shall live by faith. And faith is a thing. Now, not the kind of uh, word of faith nonsense. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living a life where you live according to the word of God. And it's so important. And, and so we need to realize, hey, there's a fight going on. And, and Christians have to understand that we've got to start seeing things from God's perspective. What God says, we cannot yield. Because once we do, we move out of Christianity and we move into religion and into legalism and into all the other things. You know, faith is not to do with legalism. It's to do with just hearing God and living in relationship with God. And because you live in relationship with God, there are things that just don't, they just can't be acceptable. Now, religion has a little structure of if you do this, this, and this, you'll get to heaven. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about evangelicalism, that deadly, sick, and charismatic and Pentecostalism, where it's an ism, and you've got your little rules, and you've got to obey, and you've got to be in, and you're in your little coffin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spirit and life. A spirit of faith, of life, of vitality. Jesus Christ came and said that we would have life and life more abundant. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything's added to us. And it's focus. And people have got the wrong focus and the battlefield's the mind. So let's look. If you go with me to Proverbs 23 and verse 7, it says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, it's not as a man thinketh in and the heart and the mind are synonymous, but you can't think right. You can't think right if you're not born again. But what you are is what you think. And you'll remember Romans says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. It cannot be subject to the law of God. And if you've got a carnal mind, in other words, if you're not born from above, um, the only thing you can do is be what you are, a sinner. 
you think wrong, you live wrong, because you've got a totally depraved nature. That's the way you're born. You must be born again. You must have the life of God inside. You must know a transformation, become a partaker of the divine nature. Is that plain? I, I want to make it clear there, because uh, if you take, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, and then you think, if I change my philosophy and I change my beliefs, I'll change my life. You won't. You can't, you can't by thinking, add one cubit to your stature, says Jesus. Uh, uh, it's not a thought thing. This is not a mind thing. It's a spirit thing. And the problem is, when you examine yourselves, whether you be of the, in the faith, you've got to understand that, that it's, it's a life relationship with a living God that causes you to walk and to be what God intends you to be in the earth. And it's so important to understand it's not rules and it's not regulations, it's relationship. And the big thing that's missing from all the religion is, is people don't have relationship. What they have is religion. And religion is austere, it's spiteful, it's mean-spirited, it's ugly, and I hate it. I hate religion. And we'll talk about it on Sunday. Because there's a lot of religious people here. And religion and Christianity don't mix. Water and oil don't mix. They're just, they're just different. And, and the seed of the bond and the seed of the free are very different. And you've got to understand that what the enemy of our souls is doing, he wants to convince us that things are okay that aren't okay. And you'll find in... Uh, Romans chapter 1 says this, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. It's always to do with thinking. You know, the problem with most people in life is their thought processes. Strange. Your thinking governs a lot of your life. But what I'm saying is you can't transform your life by thought. It's God who does it. Is that plain? You're with me so far. Now, some people don't like the knowledge of God. Now, the knowledge of God is not legalism and it's not the Bible. The knowledge of God is the knowledge of a person the person of Christ. And you've got to understand, Jesus said, he that has seen the Father has seen me. And a revelation of Christ is a revelation of God. And don't ever get the idea that you can know God by reading your Bible alone. You can't. If God doesn't reveal himself, and if you're not born from above, then the whole of Christianity is a fight. I find a lot of people are fighting. They're fighting within themselves. 
that which I would not, that I do. There's all kinds of desires and wrong thinking, wrong attitudes, lusting after this, lusting after that, trying to get this, trying to get rich, trying to... And they're driven. But that's the power of sin to drive. That's not Christianity, that's religion. And then they always feel condemned. And you always tell a religious person, because he's condemned. And the moment you start talking to them, they want to condemn you with the same condemnation they're feeling. Well, everyone does that, you know. Well, you think you're so... You know, that kind of condemnatory thing. They go about to establish their own righteousness. And that's wrong. Is that plain? Hello? And so I'm just trying to knock away the things and take up the stones that some of you crabs hide under. Um, so you understand what I'm saying. And you know, crabs run sideways. And there's a lot of people. And snakes slither. Uh, and, uh, you know, you never see a snake going in a straight line. Just don't. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I just want to make a note. You've got to cast down imaginations by the Holy Ghost. You know, what you imagine and what you think. I mean, the devil works on fear. He wants you to be afraid. Afraid to believe God. Afraid to do right. Afraid to stand. Afraid. And I suppose the best example I can give you is Goliath standing up and challenging the children of Israel. And everyone looked at him. They looked at the size of his spear. They looked at his height. They looked at his power. They looked at his strength. And they were afraid of him. It was only when David came and he, first of all, mouthed the very first thought that came into his head. He said, who is this to defy the armies of the living God? He looked at it from a totally different perspective. Hey, this guy is dead meat. Who is this? But to everyone else. He was a giant who could walk out and challenge them daily and everyone was afraid of him. And I want to tell you something. What's happening is we've got Goliath out there bellowing like overgrown glandular cases and the Christians are afraid of them. And when they stand and they bellow, the Christian doesn't realize that they're not against you, they're against God. And their stand and their voice and their volumes against God. David had it right. 
And, and if you look at it from the perspective that, hey, this is kind of the law, this is society, what can we do? It, it's over, it, we're defeated. You're listening to a lie. Because the truth is eternal, stands eternal, and can never be overcome. Because the truth is God himself. It's not some philosophy, it's a person. And our God is almighty. And here we have politicians standing up and defying the principles of God and the nature of God. And they're telling us, you can't do anything about it. And I find Christians say, well, what can we do? Nothing. And when they do, they say, well, we're not having any effect. Listen to me. My Bible says, if God be for us, who what? Well, is God for us? So what's your problem? A few Goliaths. And hey, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And yet, fear gets in people's hearts when you look and you say, hey, and you think, but look, the battle is the Lord's, not ours. I said it before, 80% of people in prison come from broken homes. Single parent families. Haven't they learnt yet that the most stable thing in society is mother, father and children? And the least stable is broken homes. And yet Christians are afraid. Hey, look. One nurse was told she couldn't call her husband, her husband anymore, she had to say, my partner. A man can't call his wife his wife, she's got to be a... What are they trying to do? They're trying to take away all the values of family. And I want to tell you, in 1971, the Gay Liberation Front, it was called then, said the one purpose they had was to destroy the family unit and the concept of the family being the thing that built society. And that's what they're aiming to do. But I want to tell you, they're like Philistines, they're like Goliath, and they've got no power, and God is not on their side. But God's on our side. And we've got to start taking courage instead of running and hiding, saying, well, who can fight them? We've got to say, just a minute, we have the word of God. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of our God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon that's formed against you is going to... But Christians, oh, you know, well, what can you do? I wrote to my MP and nothing happened. Well, it's time. If every one of us starts speaking, I'll tell you what will happen you'll find that a lot of people say, well, I've always felt that, but I haven't dared say it. And all of a sudden, you've got a lot of people who are standing up saying the right things. And it becomes an army. God is on our side. 
Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that, you know, when he said it, he meant it? Yes. Huh. Uh, you'll find it in Numbers. And in Numbers 13, let's go there. And in verse 1 and 2, And the Lord said unto Mo, spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that may, they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Look, I'm giving you the land of Canaan. Just send men in to have a look. See what you're getting. And so Moses... Um, in Numbers 13, verse 17, said, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is. And the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what the cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, um, what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be you of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin, unto Rahab, as men come to Harmoth. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahaman and uh, Shishai and Talmai, the, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they bought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the Brook of Eskol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Okay, the first thing they bring is such a big bunch of grapes out of one branch that two men had to carry it. So it was a big bunch of grapes, number one. Number two, their report, first of all, was, surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. How many? How many children of Anak? How many? Three. Okay, they saw three giants. Three. Now, you've got over two and a half million people, and you've got three giants. See? So they reported it correctly. 
to begin with. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So they, they gave an impression, first of all, they gave an impression, it's great land, nevertheless. You know, they, they begin to sow doubt. Well, there were three giants there, <coughs> and then they gave the tribes that lived there. Well, they already knew there were tribes living there. God had said he was going to give the land to them, and he was going to drive out their enemies before them. But here, suddenly, they've gone and looked. They bring back beautiful bunch of grapes. They say it's a land flowing with milk and honey. They bring back pomegranates. They say, hey, it's a great land, but... I'm amazed how many Christians can say it's great, but they'll always find the nevertheless. It's never nevertheless, it's always nevertheless. Do understand that. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Just a minute, there were only three giants. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, just three of them which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make it captain and let us return into Egypt. Now, can, can you imagine? Here's Caleb and Joshua. The people have come out. God brought them out with a mighty miracle out of the land of Egypt. You remember all the miracles that happened in Egypt? The firstborn of the Egyptians all died. God opened up the Red Sea, drowned all the Egyptians. God fought for them. And the whole thing was God fed them for 40 years every day. There was a cloud that covered them so they had air conditioning. At night they had a fire that gave them light. God looked after them 40 years. Their clothes never wore out. Nothing ever went wrong. And you know, but the main thing was, God had been faithful in bringing them out, and there wasn't one weak or sickly among them when they first came out. And here they are, after a very short while, Faced with the prospect of going in, the spies go in, they say it's a wonderful land, flowing with milk and honey. Hey, 
And Caleb's saying, let us go up at once and possess it. We're well able to take it. And yet, ten men got the whole of the congregation of Israel to turn around and say, it was better we were back in slavery where we were getting whipped, where we were only given stubble to make bricks, where they were killing off our children. Every male child was being told by the midwives to be slaughtered. There was all sorts of terrible tyranny going on in Egypt, and suddenly we're better off in Egypt. We're better off as slaves. And they impugn God's integrity and say, God led us to this. It's all God's fault. Hey, God's brought us out here to die by the sword. And it was only in their minds. Because two, ten people brought negative reports, and before you know it, just three giants have become men of great stature all over the place. And I see Christians caught up in the same thing. You know, you get an evil report, someone says something, something negative. And before you know it, everyone heart fails them. Uh, and you're, oh, well, what can we do about it? Well, you know, we can't do anything. Well, we jolly well can. We're here. We're alive. And God's on our side. And it doesn't matter whether there's be 10,000 against us. I'll tell you what. They won't prevail because God said no weapon that's formed against us is going to prosper. God said, hey, we're going to end up the winners. It's his fight. It's his war, not ours. God put us in this country and put us on this earth to make a difference. And we're to be living witnesses of his life, his power, his word, his nature. And what we're not to do is kowtow to any of them. How dare they say it's criminal to tell the truth? How dare they say a lie is valuable and the truth is evil? That's what they're saying. And we've got to stand up and say, no. We don't have to be afraid. And we don't have to let our hearts sink down. And we don't have to compromise. And we don't have to say, well, that's the way it is. No. What are they going to do? What can they do? Because God is true and every man a liar. I find so many people, they're afraid. Hearts fail and fail, well, you know. And usually it's because they worry. Well, you know, if we make a stand, you know, well. And you see, the enemy of our soul, strongholds of Satan are in the mind. He's trying to establish in your mind that you don't speak up because there's giants around who'll tread you underfoot. But I want to tell you, the news is there's a God around who'll tread them underfoot. The earth is his footstool. And I don't believe we've got to bow down. Look, there are people who shed their precious blood on this land to purchase the freedoms we have. We are not going to let it go. We're not just going to give up and say, well, that's it. We're going to be heard. 
And you'll be surprised how many people will rise up and say, well, you know, the only thing, they don't have courage when there's no one there saying it. And the enemy of our souls wants us to be silent. Well, we're not going to be silent, sorry. You chose the wrong horse to ride, fellow, you're going to lose. comes a point where Christians have got to be Christians. So, well, what, what would happen? My company believes, you know, uh, uh, you go to these special indoctrination classes where you call black, white, and pink, yellow, and orange, purple, and, you know, all kinds of things, and, and they try and get, it's mind control. Oh, you know, you mustn't say what you believe. Well, hey, there's freedom of religion. We're free to believe what we want to believe, aren't we? It's mind control. It's just what they did in Russia. And I can't believe it's come to my country. You know, I was born here. I can't believe that the things that my father and grandfather fought to defend against are now being embraced by our nation. Well, it's just not going to be. Dr. Matto was telling me of some doctors, non-Christian, not Christian people, doctors, surgeons, who were horrified that 12-year-olds were coming back for their second abortion. Because no morals taught. 12-year-olds. What's wrong with our society? Says, don't tell them that it's wrong. They've all got to experience life for themselves. Is that life? Hey, if it was your daughter... And we've got to stand up and start saying, listen, there is a right and a wrong. There's a truth and there's a God. And we believe his word. And that's what happened. You know, the children of Israel all bleated. And verse 5, And then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us. A land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is parted from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. You know, that is really where we've got to come to. Who are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? We're afraid of standing up for what is right in case the wrong destroys us. Well, I'll tell you what. We will destroy the wrong. Because... God is for us. And we've got to make a stand. It's not a matter of, oh, well, you know, uh, we can be neutral. You can't be neutral in this. 
There is no way any Christian can remain neutral anymore. There is no neutral line. There's God's word, there's God's life, there's God's spirit, and we're called to live that life. And we've got to make up our minds. Are we going to call ourselves Christians and live as Christians, or are we going to really just be religious? Come to church on Sundays, sing our little songs, uh, hold our hands up, then go home and live like devils. Full of compromise. That's why it says examine yourself whether you be in the faith. The faith is walking according to God's word and in God's word. The faith is not just compromise. Faith is clear. I see so many people, they live in compromise all the time. It's hell. Hey, Jesus promised to give us life and life more abundant. Do you think that we are going to be unlike Abraham, my Bible says he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he's able to perform. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb said, God promised us this land, he gave it to us. Doesn't matter what enemies are there, doesn't matter what I see, doesn't matter what I perceive, it's what God says. The perceptions are a lie. The Goliaths aren't giants at all, they're paper tigers. Hey, they lie all the time. And what we've got to do is rise up and say, hey, come on. They haven't got any power because, I'll tell you who they oppose, they oppose God. And Joshua and Caleb said, don't rebel against God. These people are rebelling against God. They've turned against him, they've turned against his word. And are we to sit down as Christians and say, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. Well, there is something we can do. We can get mighty mad. And when we get mad, we stand. We're British. You know, if you say, well, I'm not British. Yes, you are. You live in England. You're British. And if you don't know it, I anoint you now. You know, you're there to stand for God. But if you live here, then you want to stand for righteousness and decency, don't you? So you're British. You know, they're not British, they're foreigners. That's it. How dare they come against our heritage? How dare they suggest that all the great statues in London of our heroes should be taken down. How dare they suggest that we've got to surrender everything. Hey, we have a right to stand, don't we? Well, don't we? Or do we do, uh, just, you know, if you stand up and say that, you know, you get the police coming and they'll arrest you because, you know, you're provoking. Look, we're not, a, if someone wants to live a filthy lifestyle, let them live a filthy lifestyle, but don't expect me to say it's right. We're not going to persecute any minority group. I'm against persecution. But what I'm not going to do is call abomination nice. What I'm not going to do, you know, these prostitutes that got murdered. I think it's terrible that they were murdered. 
but I also think it was terrible, their lifestyle, and just because they were taking heroin doesn't make it right. But they won't call them prostitutes, they want to call them sex workers. They want to change the name and give it respectability. No, it is not a respectable profession. And being a drug addict is not some mistake. They were putting the needle in their own arm. They're opting out of real life. And it's evil. And it's against God. They wanted to live with their hallucinations. Wrong. Now, don't say, oh, well, they couldn't help it. They could help it. A lot of people have lived in rough circumstances and come from rough backgrounds who haven't ended up on the needle. And they haven't ended up on the street. So don't say that. And when I grew up, a lot of people were poor. They didn't end up in that kind of lifestyle. It's a lie of the chattering classes to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, it, it circumstances forced them. No, it didn't. They made choices, wrong choices. And we've got to just say so. Is that plain? You can't make something nice that's nasty, can you? Hmm? I believe in family, don't you? And the church is a big family. And we as one family, we say, this is wrong. There's certain things that are wrong. Unacceptable. And we're not ashamed to say so. And it's all in the mind. You know, you know what the enemy does? He tries to put fear in you. He tries to torment your mind. He tries to bring you into condemnation. Tries to say, oh, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. They bring false reports. The Bible says it was an evil report. Oh, have you heard what's going on? This person's going to do that. This person's going to do that. Let me tell you something about the false reports. Don't believe them. They lie, and all their machinations are going to come to nothing because God is on our side. Because his word is true and it's eternal. And you don't have to... Let fear get in your hearts. Time to stand up and say, hey, you, you shake yourself. Don't let the things grip you. As the world becomes more politically correct, Christians become God faithful. We've got to be faithful to his word, to him, haven't we? I, I tell you this, you'll be surprised how many people won't get angry with you. They'll agree with you. The chattering classes are sick to death of what's going on. I, I just had, had this. I, I want to read it to you because it's so horrific. I just thought, you know, listen to this. This is a, a fellow called John Reed. He is not a relation of mine. Schools, schools that fail to a to show enthusiasm in rooting out prejudice against homosexuals should be reported to the police by pupils and parents. A Home Office report recommended yesterday. It called for parents and children to identify schools that ignore homophobic language in the playground and teachers who produce homophobic lessons. And it called for head teachers to bring lessons about homophobia onto school timetables and to involve their pupils in gay awareness weeks.
The advice from the Home Secretary, John Reed's officials, comes at a time of deep concern among churches that new gay rights laws due next spring will bar traditional teaching on sexual morality in schools and force them instead to include gay rights dogma in lessons. The paper on homophobic hate crime is aimed at guiding police forces, local authorities, social services and schools among other public bodies. It defined homophobia, a word invented by gay lobby groups to apply to their critics as resentment or fear of gay and lesbian people, which can be just a passive dislike of gay people. The report asked police and other groups to consider whether homophobia is happening in schools and in lessons. It said schools can be a little concerned about neg the neg a negative impact on their reputation that it would be perceived as a school which has a problem rather than one that deals with them positively. Urging that school incidents be reported to a hate crime coordinator, the report said it would be dangerous to assume that homophobic incidents uh, do not occur in a particular school as victims and witnesses might be too worried or frightened to bring the abuse to greater attention. It called for reporting systems to allow pupils and parents to make referrals direct if they feel the school is not taking the issue seriously. The report added, the seriousness of using homophobic language is not fully appreciated in schools. Whilst it is probably made clear to pupils that use of racist language is unacceptable, the same is not true for the use of homophobic language. However, Constant use of such language and homophobic crimes and incidents will have an effect on pupils' ability to learn or willingness to stay in school. Huh. The Home Office advice also said that it would be possible to find times working within each year group's timetable to slot in work on citizenship and homophobia. Home Office Minister Tony McNulty said, any form of crime motivated by prejudice or hate is unacceptable. People who commit homophobic crime need to know their prejudice and actions will be tackled. He added, we know that hate crime can get worse if it goes unchallenged. That is why gay people need to feel they can come forward to the police. The report also contained an endorsement from Lancashire Assistant Chief Constable Michael Cunningham who said, the implementation of this guidance will assist in bringing offenders to justice and making individuals and communities feel safer. Last week, Mr. Cunningham's force paid 50,000 in legal costs and damages to an, L L they pay 50, 000, huh? to an elderly couple, Joe and Helen Roberts, who were questioned in their home by two of its officers after they complained to the local councils about its gay rights policies and asked for a right of reply for their traditional Christian beliefs. Lancashire police have brought in guidance warning officers to avoid being influenced by political groups because of the case. Colin Hart of the Christian Institute think tank that backed the Roberts said yesterday, there is an element of desperation about this advice. No one wants to see any kind of bullying in schools, but this is not about bullying of pupils who others think are homosexual. It is about punishing schools unless they try to stop pupils using gay as an insult. Gay lobby groups are deeply upset about the use of homophobic language in schools, partly because of the common use by teenagers of the word gay as an insult 
regardless of the perceived sexual orientation. And so they go on. You know, they're just trying to make out that, hey, who called gays gay? Who called them gay? They did. Who invented the word homophobic? Well, what about heterophobic? What about us all, and I really mean this, what about us all saying we have a right to call our wives our wives, not our partner? We have a right, the women have a right to call their husband their husband, and they don't have to call them their partner. What about saying, hey, we have a right for our children to call the parents mum and dad, and we are fed up with this heterophobic attack on us and our rights and our freedoms. What about talking about this heterophobia that's got in all the politicians where they're attacking innocent people with decent lifestyles and moral codes and they're saying you can't say you live that way anymore. What about challenging them and saying we're fed up with these heterophobic attacks. How dare they persecute us for living what's right and believing what's right and decent. And hey, our kids should be able to call mum, mum and dad, dad. Not my parent or my guardian. It's heterophobia. And it's becoming increasingly vile. And we should sling, use their weapons and sling them back at them. Got to get smart. We should demand that every company has a time and a day and a week where they deal with heterophobia. If you're going to deal with homophobia, let's have the other side represented. No? Yes. You know, play them at their own game. And we've got God on our side. I'm fed up with heterophobia. Fed up with listening to it. And I believe, you know, it's, it's just one issue. But what it really is, is taking away our freedom. What they want to do is silence the Christian voice. What they're really after is getting us to abandon any moral code. What they're saying is, in a couple of generations, children won't anymore have the values that you parents have got because they'll inculcate into them filthy values. And... What I say is this. The children of Israel looked at the land and they said, it's a good land, fruitful land. There's enemies in it. What I say is, but God gave us this land. This is our land. And we're not giving it up. And I believe that the moral territory we have in this land is ours. And I believe it was bought at a price in the past by many martyrs who shed their blood and stood up for truth in this land and we should not yield one inch and we shouldn't go backwards and we shouldn't hide and we shouldn't be ashamed and we shouldn't say well you mustn't say anything you'll provoke them hey they're just like Goliath they stand up and they think that they're going to crush us and I'll tell you what our God will crush them we won't be losers because over 72% of the population said they were Christian. 
I'll tell you what, a lot of them are beginning to find their voice. They're fed up with what's going on. You hear all over the place where I go, I hear people stand up and say, well, I'm fed up with this. I, I just can't believe it's happening. Well, believe we can do something about it. We're going to be faithful with faithful Abraham. We're going to be persuaded that what God promised, he's able to perform. He promised us if we stand true and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'd add everything to us. Didn't he? We don't have to fear, we have to have faith. And we stop getting all upset. These people get up and they make their pronouncements. Well, I've got a pronouncement to make. They're sacked. God's on our side. Hmm? Well, do you believe it? Uh, I'm not ashamed. Lift your hands up. Father, I just thank you for your grace, your love. I pray you'll touch each one, heal each one. Lord, meet every need in every life. And Lord, I pray for everyone here. Lord, open our hearts to live according to your word and not be afraid anymore to stand for what's true. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.